have been teaching on the subject of faith, and uh, more specifically, we have been teaching on the process of faith. The process of faith, we uh, have a theme scripture that we have looked at uh, over and over again uh, during this series. It is uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. It says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Receiving the end of your faith. So we've been working with that phrase, the end of your faith. The end of your faith is actually the manifestation of the promise of God fulfilled in your life. Now, uh, there is a process in many cases between the time you pray and the time you see the answer to your prayer. And so when you are in that process, it is important for you to maintain your focus of faith. All right, so we looked at one scripture in uh, Mark 11, verse 24. It says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. When you pray, believe that you receive them. Other translations say, believe that you have received them. One says, believe that you have it already. And then another says, believe you got it. Pretty simple, right? Believe that you have it. Believe that you've got it already. And you shall have them or you shall get it. Well, then uh, there is this, again, process in many cases. uh, And there is this time frame between believing you have received it to the time that you actually have it. All right, so then if we are in this process, uh, then we must uh, hold fast to our faith and hold fast uh, to our confession and maintain our focus of faith in that time frame, in that season, if you will. All right, we looked at another scripture in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is. Faith is now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the substance of things that we hope for or that we desire. It is the evidence of things that are not seen. Evidence of things that are not seen. Evidence of things that you do not yet see. Well, then we looked at a scripture as well in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And how is it that you can look at things that are not seen or unseen? How can you look at things that you can't see? Well, there are two sets of eyes. You have natural eyes. While we look not at the things that are seen naturally, And we look at things that are not seen. Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1 is that the eyes of your heart or understanding would be enlightened. In other words, there are spiritual eyes and then there are natural eyes. So you have the ability to perceive or to see spiritually as well as naturally. So uh, seeing spiritually is actually more vital than seeing naturally. So how essential is and how important is your natural vision? Very important. But you need spiritual vision as well. You need spiritual insight or revelation. Uh, The Apostle Paul calls it revelation. The eyes of your spirit being enlightened. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
All right, so revelation of God or revelation of his word or revelation of the promises of God gives you faith, faith uh, concerning what God has promised that he will manifest in your life. All right, so he said we look not, so you have to choose not to look at the natural doesn't mean we ignore the natural. doesn't mean that we deny that there are natural circumstances. It simply means that our focus is not on the natural. Now, again, in the process of faith with Pastor Vicki and also myself, as you know, I broke my arm. And uh, so it's been a process, much uh, more than I would have ever realized. But nevertheless, it is a process. So it takes faith. It takes faith. And it takes some other things as well, diligence. And we'll look at some of that today. But faith in God, when you're in that process, keeping your focus of faith and looking at things that are not seen. He said the things that are seen are temporal or temporary or natural or uh, physical, if you will. So they are temporary. Every, every natural thing has its uh, season or time frame. Uh, for example, even this earth is going to melt with fervent heat. So to put all your stock in it would not be wise. Right? So natural things have their date of limitation or date of ending. Uh, they're going to have an ending point. But uh, God's word is eternal. He said, why we look not at the uh, things that are natural or things that are temporal, but we look at things that are eternal. And God's word or God's promises are eternal. He himself is eternal, had no beginning, has no ending. He is God. And he is constant in that, in, in that time that you are trusting in him. You're you're believing his word or his promise. God is constant. He's unchanging. He's reliable. Hallelujah. He's faithful. Oh, my. I mean, we could just talk about God for a long time, couldn't we? Of how good he is. All right. So then God is good. He's faithful. And he's trustworthy. And you can rely upon him. And you can know that he cannot lie. You can know that he will perform his word because he said he'll do these things. Right? All right. So the Word of God is eternal. So the Word of God has the power to change the temporal things if we put faith in it. All right. So faith in God then is essential. Without it, it is impossible to please God. Uh, Hebrews 11 6, right? So it's impossible to please God without it, but we can please God with it. So faith in God would be of an essential nature. All right, so we believe God and trust God. And now we're coming to this uh, verse in Hebrews 12. It says, looking unto what? Jesus, the author and the finisher. So God does the finishing work. He's the author of your faith, the author and the finisher of your faith. In other words, there is an ending point to your faith where the manifestation comes, the having point in your life. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. So the end point or the goal is to actually have or to possess the promise of God in its fulfillment. Amen? All right. So if that is the end game, that is the goal, uh, you got to keep your focus 
in that process of time, in that season of time between the time you prayed, believed that you have received, and the actual having point. Maintain your focus. Keep looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. Well, Moses, he endured, so we've talked about endurance in this series as well. He endured seeing him who is invisible. In other words, the way he endured is he was able to keep his eyes on God. And the way you and I can endure in this process is we keep our eyes on God. We keep our eyes on the promise of God. We hold our confidence in him. We hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. And we maintain a spirit of faith. Hallelujah. All right, so in doing this, then we're going to actually do what we're going to study today. Let's go to Hebrews 6 and verse 11. And it says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Well, the end would be in, uh, in the Scripture is that for our lives, the end of our lives and the end of our journey on this earth and the end of this dispensation, right? I mean, if you die and go to heaven, that's all you can do down here, right? As far as your obedience to God in this earth. But there is a time when God's going to wind this thing up and we're going to go to heaven and I'm ready. How about you? I'm ready when he's ready. I'm ready. I'm out of here. Well, then there's also the end that you would endure to the end. You stay steady to the end. The end of whatever process that you're in or whatever uh, time frame of testing and pressure points in your life. And you're believing God to receive the end of your faith, right? So here the Apostle Paul, whom I believe is the writer of this uh, book of Hebrews. So he says, we desire, I desire... That every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. In other words, all of you are diligent. Now, unfortunately, not everyone is going to be diligent and maintain a full assurance to the end. But nevertheless, this is his desire. And as a pastor, that's my desire. That everyone would show the same diligence, full assurance of hope until the end, that you would maintain your faith and your hope in God until the end. Until Jesus comes, until you go to heaven, until you get through the process of whatever test or challenge you may have in your life, that you would endure. And it takes diligence to do that. Diligence to stay with it. Verse 12, that you would not be slothful. Diligence would be the opposite of slothfulness, wouldn't it? He said that you would be not slothful, but followers of them. Everybody's a follower. Even leaders are followers. Everybody follows someone. And even the people that rebel against everyone have followed someone's. Others that rebelled against everyone. So in other words, everybody follows somebody. Somebody's philosophy, someone's belief system, someone's attitude, someone's action. Everybody's following someone somewhere 
in their life. But here, his admonition is that we would not be slothful, but that we would be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So in other words, you need to choose who you're going to follow. And the admonition of Scripture is, and the Paul's admonition to you is that you be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we have, of course, uh, people in the Scripture that were followers of God, and through faith and patience they inherited the promises. Now, Faith and patience, Amplified says, through faith and patient endurance. Through faith and patient endurance inherited the promises. So it's not just patience, but it's endurance. In other words, you are able to endure, well, because you're following somebody else that endured through faith and patience, or faith and patient endurance They were able to inherit the promises. What does this mean? This means that now they were, uh, through faith, they endured and they stayed with it and they kept their focus. And Moses endured seeing him who was invisible or keeping his focus on God. And that's the way we're going to endure is keeping our focus on God and on his word, right? So then when you are staying focused and you are enduring, you're going to get to that end game where you actually inherit the promise or you, you see the manifestation of the promise of God fulfilled in your life experience. In other words, you get the answer to your prayer. So this is not unique to any one person. This is like the way it works for everybody. Everybody has to maintain their focus of faith. And if you lose your focus, you got to regain your focus. Everyone needs to endure in order to get to the end because it's through faith and patience. And everyone needs to maintain a spirit of faith if they're going to inherit the promises of God. All right, so this is the way it works. And, and God's no respecter of persons. He doesn't say this is the way it is for some people. Other people, they don't have to do that. It works the same for everyone. Faith is the same for everyone. Endurance is the same for everyone. You may have different set of circumstances, but we all have to endure in order to get to the end of our faith or in order to get to the possession of the promises of God in our lives or the manifestation of God's promise being fulfilled in our lives. Endurance is essential. Keeping your focus is essential, right? Maintaining faith is essential, or maintaining the spirit of faith is necessary in order for us to get to this end game or to having part of faith. And why would we even need faith if there were no challenges? Or why would we even need faith if it all was just going to happen for us without it? But, no, it takes faith to get where we are supposed to go and to do what we're supposed to do and to receive what God has for us to receive. Amen? All right, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. All right, let's go to verse 13. For for when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. There was no greater than God, so he swears by himself. He's the only one that could guarantee that you actually 
could see the fulfillment of God's promise. So he swore by himself. Let's go to verse 14. Saying, surely blessing, this is to Abraham, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply, multiply thee. So this was God's promise to Abraham. Blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you. Verse 15, and so after he had patiently endured, after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now, if you study Abraham's life, it was not without challenge. But God, and we just confessed it this morning, like Abraham, right? Who called those things that be not as though they were. We also call those things that be not as though they are. Amen. So we are believing when we don't see. We're believing when it doesn't look like it. We're believing against hope. We believe in hope. So we're believing God's word or God's promise in the face of adversity, in the face of testing, in the face of challenge, in the face of uh, whatever obstacle that we may be facing in our life. And when you're facing, with, facing those obstacles, you've got to look beyond what you see in order to endure the test in your life. And get through it and get to the end of your faith, just like Abraham. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He had the promised child, didn't he? And, of course, God multiplied his seed. And then, of course, if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. So God multiplied it, natural seed and then spiritual seed. Supernaturally, God intervened in Abraham's life. God intervenes in our life when we put our trust in him. Hallelujah. And we endure. We receive the promise of God or we obtain the promise of God in our life. All right, so let's go now to chapter 10 of Hebrews. Chapter 10 of Hebrews. And we're going to go to verse 35. In verse 35, it says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Do not cast away your confidence. Or don't throw away your confidence. Don't let go of your confidence, your bold, courageous faith. Don't let it go. But hold fast to your faith, to your confession of faith. Don't cast away your confidence. Why is there a tendency to cast away a person's confidence? Why is this uh, admonition to us to not cast it away? Because naturally, you can lose your focus. Naturally, you can start looking at circumstances. Naturally, you can say, well, it's taken longer than I wanted it to take or expected it to take to get through this or get past this and, and to get to the end game or the end result. And so people start getting less diligent. They lose focus, right? And they start taking their eyes off of the promise and start looking at the circumstances. And anybody can do this. And sometimes it happens subtly, and you start looking at natural more than you're looking at the Word. 
You're looking at the problem more than you're looking at the promise. You're looking at what the devil is doing more than you're looking at what God's doing. And so your consciousness and your awareness and your focus is no longer on the promise of God. It becomes on what's happening and the circumstance and the challenge. And and now it starts flooding your mind and your thoughts and your focus is no longer on God's word or God's promise. You have cast away your confidence. And many times you can can find uh, or, or locate yourself by your words. Uh, you can locate your, your, your focus, whether, whether or not you're really focused on God's word or God's promise uh, by what you are saying. So you really have to uh, hold fast your confession. All right, so you can locate yourself by uh, sometimes your attitudes. You kind of determine where you're really at right now. But you can't allow your emotions to overtake you and overtake your faith. In other words, just consume your and cause you to cast away your confidence. You can't let the circumstances, the natural things that are occurring in your life start talking to you so loudly that you start buying into it and you let go of your confidence. He says, don't cast away your confidence because your confidence has great recompense of reward. There is a payday. There is a day when you actually see the reward. What? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is what? A rewarder of those that what? Diligently seek him. So, you you know, I've had to be diligent with therapy in this uh, months that we've been dealing with uh, my arm being broken. Now Pastor Vic has to be diligent with her therapy. And yet at the same time we must be diligent in the word and diligent in faith and diligent with our confession and diligent in the spiritual side as well as the natural side. Praise God. And when you are facing challenges, there may be some natural things that you have to do, but there are some spiritual things that you have to be diligent with as well to maintain your focus. Thank you, Jesus. So he said, don't cast away your confidence. There's a great recompense. In other words, sometimes... God has a plan of reward in your life that is so much bigger than what you have even thought. He can do exceeding abundant above all that you even ask or think. And the devil meant something to destroy your life or to take you out. But God turned your captivity, turned things around. And now instead of a test, you have a testimony of God's grace and God's goodness. And your testimony will be an encouragement to others that if God did it for you, that God would do it for them as well. And that's what he just said. We are to be followers of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. If God did it for them, God will do it for you. If God does it for anybody, he'll do it for you. God is not mocked. Hallelujah. If you 
obey God's word, if you act in faith, if you do what God said, if you believe the word of God, the promise of God, if you maintain your focus on the word of God and the promise of God, if you endure as seeing him who is invisible, if you look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of your faith, you will be one of those who inherit the promises of God and God will manifest his promise in your life and you'll see the fulfillment of God's word and his grace and his goodness in your life and you'll be able to testify of what God has done in your life that no man could do. It was beyond man's ability to fully recover you but God, he restored your spirit, soul and body, your life. He restored your health. He restored your wealth. He restored your life. And you have a testimony of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amazing grace in your life. Can somebody say amen? But verse 36 says, For you have need of patience or endurance. Amplified says, Steadfast patience and endurance. You have need of steadfast patience and endurance. Diligent, sticking with it, staying with it. Don't quit. Never quit when you're in the process. Don't cast away your confidence. You have need of patience or steadfast patience and endurance. Hallelujah. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You need steadfast patience and endurance that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise, the fulfillment of God's word in your life. Hallelujah. So never quit. Quitters don't win and winners don't quit. Hallelujah. So just don't give in to the devil. Don't give in to the circumstances. Don't give in to the emotion of the moment. Don't give in to the discouragement. Don't give in to uh, this thing that wants to discourage your soul or your mind. Don't cast away your confidence. Hallelujah. Now go with me to James. In James chapter 5. In James chapter 5, we're going to go to verse 10. Verse 10. Says, take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. Take the prophets as an example. In other words, be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Take the prophets as an example, those who have spoken uh, the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. If you study the prophets, you'll find out they went through a lot of stuff. They were basically on the tip of the spear. In other words, they were the first ones to go in and speak the word of the Lord. And many times against a lot of adversity. So the devil 
The devil may attack someone who is in leadership, but it's not just about them. It's about the call of God and the will of God and the plan of God that the devil is endeavoring to hinder or stop. Hallelujah. So then, you have to realize it's not always just about your own personal life. Sometimes it's just about the devil trying to hinder you from doing the will of God in your life. But you endure, and having done the will of God, you'll receive the promise of God. God will fulfill his word in your life, and you'll be an example to someone else that if God did it for you, he'll do it for them. He'll do it for anyone who will dare to believe the word of God in the face of the obstacle or in the face of the mountain or in the face of the adversity in their life. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So if he did it for the prophets, he'll do it for you. He said, look at them as an example. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Those who endure, they have joy. You have heard of the patience of Job or the endurance of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. Verse 10, as an example of suffering and ill treatment together with patience, Brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as his messengers. You know how we call those blessed, happy, who were steadfast, who endured. We call them happy and blessed, who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the end, seen the Lord's end. Purpose. And how he richly blessed him in the end. You have seen the Lord's purpose and how he richly blessed him in the end. Inasmuch as the Lord is full of pity and compassion and tenderness and mercy. Now, at the beginning of this year, I pretty much preached my own answer. And preached your answer. God will restore God will restore. He didn't say, I might. He said, I will. I will restore. One of the verses we use is, I will restore health unto thee thee, and heal you of all your wounds. Praise God forever. God declares he will restore. We use Job as an example. And here we see James says, this is the end of the Lord. This is the Lord's end for you. He said he's compassionate. He's tender. He's merciful. And if you see the end of Job, that at the end of all of his suffering, physical suffering, emotional suffering, all of his suffering and his friends forsaking him and people, you know, uh, accusing him. Come on. In all of that, Job stayed steady. Job kept his faith in God. Job didn't give up when his own wife said, give it up. We're not sure if she had a big insurance policy or what, but she was, just curse God and die. Just go. 
But Job in God, he endured until the end. He is an example of somebody that stayed with it, kept trusting God, kept believing God. And in the end, Job had double twice as much as he had before his kids that had died. Now he's got new family, new children. God so blessed him. Everything he had lost, his health, his wealth, his family was restored. And God will restore. Hallelujah. No. No matter what the devil has seemingly taken away from your life, God declares, I will restore what the devil has eaten up. God declares, I will restore what the devil has stolen. God says, I will restore. He declares restoration in your life. No matter what we have faced in this year, thank God, God will restore. We will have double for our trouble. And the end is that we rejoice in the goodness and the mercy and the grace and the compassion of our God and the promises of God are made good in our life and God shows himself amazing in his faithfulness, amazing in his grace. Just think about the goodness of God. There's an end to COVID. Hallelujah, there's a time where this house will be filled again with people. Hallelujah, that will stand up and worship God and praise God without fear. Hallelujah, God is good and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah to God, He is Lord of all. Praise God forever. There's an end to these things in this world that we let say determine everything about our lives. But I'm telling you, God wants us to keep Keep our focus on Jesus. I got to stop here somewhere. I said God wants us to keep our focus on Jesus. God wants you to keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on the promise of God. Hallelujah. So that every day you live with faith in God that every day is a good day may be challenging today but it's a good day because God's on my side it may be a challenging week but it's a good week why because God's on my side it may be a challenging month it may be a challenging year but there is something good about this year God is on my side I'll have testimony after testimony you'll have testimony after testimony of God's goodness and how God took care of you provided for you supported for you, did what was naturally not looking good and didn't look like you're going to have a good outcome, but God was faithful and he did what he promised to do and God showed himself good to you. And you must say before you see what you believe in your heart, hallelujah, and you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You'll see the goodness of God in your life because you know God has been, is, and will be good. God is faithful to his word, his promises are good, and God will not lie to you. He never has and he never will. He cannot lie. His promises will be fulfilled. He is faithful. Hallelujah. And your faith is in his faithfulness. God will perform his word. Hallelujah to Jesus. Can somebody say, Jesus, Jesus is, is Lord? Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for.